Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Thursday. Again, it is Bengals week, part two, the Browns getting ready to face the Bengals. Uh, let's do a vibe check, Mary Kay. Let's start there. We're going to talk about some of the news that, that went on today in Berea. We did not hear from Deshaun Watson. Uh, we will hear from him later today. Uh, but a vibe check as they get ready to face the Bengals. And I ask you this because you just posted a story and the headline on the story is Browns plan on making it five and zero against Joe Burrow Sunday in Cincinnati. I mean, guys sort of acknowledged like they've been able to beat the Bengals and no one came out and said they have Joe Burrow's number, but they kind of acknowledged like things have certainly gone their way in this rivalry, they're, but they're sort of dancing around it right now. Well, you know, I mean, it's the absolute truth. They are 4-0 against Joe Burrow. He's got to find a way to get the monkey off of his back. In each of his last three starts against the Cleveland Browns, he has been picked off on his opening drive. Three of his five red zone interceptions in his career have come against the Cleveland Browns. So they have had his number, and it's quite shocking uh, that, that he just can't solve the Cleveland Browns. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, that the Bengals run a a classic classic drop back passing offense, and they just make you beat them. You know, I mean, they, you have to try to beat them at their game, and it's not an easy thing to do. But the Browns can do it, and they can do it because they've got the horses up front, and they've got the horses in the back to cover that trio of receivers. So. They do feel like they can beat Joe Burrow, and they head into Cincinnati with extreme confidence. Yeah, and Ashley, I think that's one of the the things about the Bengals, and and maybe one of the criticisms some people have of of Zach Taylor. You know, we've seen it, and and you wrote about this um, after one of the games earlier this year. Was it Buffalo? Can't No, it was Miami. Um, You know, we saw the Chargers come out and run on the Browns. We saw the Dolphins come out and run on the Browns. Even the Bills eventually just decided, you know, forget it. We're just going to run on you guys. It's still hard for me to imagine Cincinnati just lining up and testing out this run defense, even though the run defense has been better the the last couple weeks. It's still hard for me to see Cincinnati going out of character and just attacking this run defense to see if they can do it. Yeah, mainly because, like, it just feels like their identity is – like this drop back team that isn't really going to deviate from what they do well and kind of hope those receivers and Joe Burrow are, are good enough, I feel like, to beat you. And and going against the Browns again, I don't think it's really 
worked because the Browns defense, you know, for all its faults this year, at the end of the day, it feels like it was built to beat these kind of offenses that this analytically minded front office kind of saw, hey, the the league is heading towards this kind of passing attack and, and here's how we can stop it. Um, and it's worked so far. And, and that's why I think this defense has looked better against the Bengals the last two years than a lot of other teams, because at the end of the day, it's basically like a, the perfect defense for the Battle of Ohio. Mary Kay, I think there's, there's a bigger picture pod here about team building and like cyclical, the cyclical nature of football, how you kind of build your team because it's a pass heavy league. And now all of a sudden, offenses are seeing that defenses are built to stop the pass. So now they're running at teams. Uh, but anyway, we'll save that for June or something. Um, <laughs> I, I de- definitely got the sense today. And, and Kevin Kevin just came out and said, we're going down there to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did get the sense that there is a confidence about, you know, we heard from Denzel Ward. We heard from John Johnson. Uh, I didn't hear what Nick Chubb had to say today, but uh, David Njoku was certainly confident. There is a confidence that's not like a cockiness right now, at least one day into sort of this week of prep. Yeah, they're very healthy. They've got most of their guys back right now. Dave Njoku is coming back for this game. Uh, Deshaun Watson obviously is still rusty, but I think uh, with all the different parts and pieces around him, they feel good about heading into Cincinnati and winning this game. They feel like, uh, especially defensively, that they have the answer for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and and Joe Mixon and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I mean, we'll have to see. Uh, now, Hayden Hurst, their, their excellent tight end, probably isn't going to play in this game. Um, but I still think the Browns feel that they match up really well. And one of the reasons why they probably should feel that way is the fact that in addition to all the other cornerbacks and defensive backs that they have, Martin Emerson has emerged. I mean, Martin Emerson has really emerged over the last month. So they have every reason to believe that they can match up even, you know, one-on-one with those receivers. They can play man coverage, they feel. Uh, They can play zone. They can do whatever it's going to take, and they feel like they can shut down this very explosive offense. Yeah, I think that's another piece of it too, Ashley, is now with Martin in the fold. It almost seems like the Bengals are built in such a weird way. I mean, these receivers are all very different. Uh, You know, Jamar, like Jamar Chase is different from T Higgins, who's different from Tyler Boyd, and they all can do different things, but they're all super dangerous at what they do. And the Browns are just sort of equipped. You know, I've heard people say you build a receiver room like a basketball team. The Browns have almost built this cornerback room and the secondary like a basketball team, especially uh, with Emerson in the mix now. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you think about what they all can do, like, Greg Newsom now can play in the slot. You know, he's he's done. He's worked on doing that since since late last year. So he's more versatile. Um, Martin Emerson has that size that I think allows you to do more. And then you have Denzel Ward uh, on the outside as well, who I think, you know, as when he's healthy, can be one of the best outside corners in this league. And we've we've seen that. And he's had some really good performances against the Bengals. So I do think like, like you're saying the receivers on on the Bengals can all do different things. Like these cornerbacks all have different like physical traits, I think, or versatility that, that kind of helps the the Browns do different things with them when they're all healthy is the caveat, which, you know, they haven't been for most of the year, but Greg Newsom came back last week. So I think things are, you know, starting to hopefully for them turn a corner in that regard. 
Right, hopefully, but unfortunately, yes. too, Denzel <laughs> Ward popped up on the injury report right after we talked to him, actually, yeah. uh, with an ankle injury and an illness, and he did not practice today. So um, just something to keep an eye on. Both teams, though, actually seem relatively healthy going into this game, and that's, of course, keeping in mind the Browns are on like their fifth Mike linebacker uh, of the season. Deshaun Watson. Let's spend some time on him. And, and of course, the story this week has been knocking off the rust. Mary Kay, just watching Deshaun in practice today, you know, look, there was there was good energy there. He looked pretty sharp throwing the football. A lot of it doesn't matter until he gets out there and, and actually has to face that pass rush again. And, and this is a pretty good one that the Bengals have. Uh, but, you know, I, I saw a guy who, as you'd expect, still looks confident. Uh, I thought there were a few times where he, I don't know, I don't think he got frustrated with himself, but he, he would acknowledge that maybe a throw wasn't good, kind of clap his hands and, and like, do it again. Um, you, you know, we only get to watch about 20 minutes of practice. But I, I saw a guy who certainly seems to know what he has to do to get where he needs to get there. Now, I don't know if it'll happen in a week or five weeks or whatever, but but I saw a guy that, that seems to know what he needs to do to kind of keep this progression moving. Yeah, he, he definitely does. And I think, um, you know, we're hearing again from Kevin Stefanski today. I asked him after the game, uh, you know, are you sticking with, are you starting Deshaun Watson, uh, despite the fact that he's rusty and the fact that this game does still have a ton of meaning to it. I mean, they still have something to play for. Uh, and the answer Sunday and the answer again today was a resounding yes on that. But you're right about Deshaun Watson. He he has a he's a perfectionist. He's definitely a perfectionist in practice. If he doesn't like something, he's going to run it again. He's going to do it again. Now he didn't have Amari Cooper out there today, um, and now we know that there is a little bit of a, a minor shakeup in the receiving core. Not not a big one, but Anthony Schwartz went on injured reserve. So they claimed Jalen Darden from the Bucks, who can return kicks and also help out as a receiver. Um, so a little minor shakeup today, um, but David Bell was out there, even though he's got the thumb injury, he was out there practicing today, uh, and David Njoku was out there practicing, uh, but, but Deshaun does have this perfectionism about him, and, and he really cares about getting it right. Again, that doesn't mean it's going gonna, it's gonna to be able to translate over to the field, because this is a much better team than the Texans, but I do think that they're going to come up with a game plan in which he can feel a lot better about himself than he did on Sunday. Okay, so Mary Kay, I want to ask you one more question here because I I think it's worth bringing up. You know, you mentioned the, um, you know, you asked him after the game Sunday, Kevin was asking him today um, about the possibility of maybe going to Jacoby Brissett in some mm-hmm. form or fashion. And he ruled it out. We know Kevin does not have a quick trigger when it comes to his quarterbacks. Um, it's probably about the slowest hook uh, I've I've seen a Browns head coach have, but what I think a lot of fans might hear that and say, why is this even something worth asking? So, why why is it something that that I think that and and I think it is something worth bringing up. Why is it worth bringing up in your mind? Well, it's worth bringing up because they do have something to play for. You know, stranger things have happened in terms of the end of a season. If you look at the Ravens last year, they were the number one seed at eight and three, and they lost the rest of their football games. That opened the door for someone else to swoop in there and win the division. So anything can happen. I mean, you never know. I mean, what, you know, what if something happens to Joe Burrow? I mean, God forbid, 
But if something happens to Joe Burrow and he he misses time, I mean, you just never know. So the Browns still have something to play for. So it bears asking because uh, because you have to wonder, does Deshaun at this moment today on December 6th uh, give them the best chance to win the football game? And some people might argue that Jacoby Brissett gives them a better chance to win the football game. So it has to be asked. And people can get frustrated with that question all they want. Uh, but it's a question that absolutely has to be asked. And I actually think that, um, you know, they probably should have a package of plays in place for Jacoby Brissett and give him something to do. Why keep one of your best offensive weapons just tethered to the bench right now? Why not give him a package of plays? Yeah, I... So Ashley, I did a um, I did Jonathan Peterlin's radio show last night. He's the new night host um, on ninety two three, and he asked me this question, which was completely unhinged because that's what that's what that's what Jonathan Peterlin does to me sometimes. That's why I like doing his show. He said, "If you had to play a, if the Browns had to play a game tomorrow, and the fate of the world was in the hands of the Browns winning this game, right?" Who would you want to play quarterback right now, tomorrow, Deshaun Watson or Jacoby Brissett? And I had to answer Jacoby because the last time we saw Deshaun was, I'm not going to make you answer that question. That but was the like, last time we saw really Deshaun, right? He was, he was like completely, I mean, he was a mess. Right. Yeah. But on a smaller scale, the point Mary Kay is making is like, you're still in this race. And if Deshaun maybe just doesn't have it, is it so bad to like sit him down for a half? I, and I and think, again, let's. No one's advocating to start Jacoby this way. No one's like, like I, th- this is just a thought exercise. I think that for them, and this is one thousand percent me speculating. Like, I think the value for them is in letting him work through this, like in a lot of ways, even though it's going to take time. Because if you take that time away from him now, like think, I think about this front office. And like this coaching staff as people who think ahead, like not, and we talk about this with draft picks all the time, right? Like it's not about production for the year after they draft them. It's about production for like three years down the road. What do they think they're going to get out of somebody? And I think like with Deshaun, given the stakes, given everything you gave up to get him, given the kind of quarterback you need to be. And I've been saying this, I think the only way for him to get through these kinks is like playing through it, like, and getting game reps. Um, so yeah, like to your point, I understand why when you're asked this unhinged question about the whole fate of the world depends on it, who do you play? I would also say Jacoby, I will answer that just because like Deshaun has to get his sea legs back underneath him a little bit because he hadn't played in two years. And I think that's going to take time. And I think like, if you were to say, oh my gosh, we have this like chance that, you know, in theory has gotten smaller by the week because things haven't fallen your way, uh, as far as other teams in the AFC winning teams in your division winning, um, and you're at five and seven, like, yeah, you could win out and maybe be in the conversation, but it's like, is that worth kind of putting him behind even further? And then you start next year at a disadvantage potentially, like, I don't know. And I'm not saying like, they're only thinking about next year, but I think from knowing what we know about them, that it's certainly like, I, I think you came into this year, maybe when you knew it was going to be 11 games and, and kind of understanding like, Hey, like this might, this is not a trade at the end of the day. That was for this year. This is a trade that's for the next like five years. And what do we have to do for Deshaun to be the best version of Deshaun Watson on the field that he, he needs to be for us to reach our ultimate goal, which is winning a Super Bowl. So 
I, I do think like it's probably not likely in my mind that they are thinking like that about this chance to to make a playoff run and would Jacoby be better this year to do that? Yeah, and also just so everyone knows, when I say unhinged, that's a compliment. <laughs> it <laughs> is a compliment. It, I say it as a compliment. Uh, but Mary Kay, I I think the other part of this too is let's say the Browns are able to make a run and let's say they win these next two games and all of a sudden like it's on in this division race and it's on in the wild card race your ceiling for success in january is still much higher with deshaun watson than with jacoby Brissett. assuming that deshaun keeps making incremental progress your ceiling to maybe go to buffalo and pull an upset or maybe go to kansas city and pull an upset and obviously that's getting way way ahead of things but that ceiling and that ability comes from Deshaun Watson finding himself and being Deshaun Watson, right? I mean, so we can yes. make the case that, yes, Jacoby might give you a better chance to win this week. But if you can just figure it out until Deshaun gets his sea legs and you are able to put a little run together, the ceiling is just so much higher with Deshaun, even this year. Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. I mean, who knows? We might even see dramatic improvement. On Sunday, we might. You never know. Uh, you know, maybe a ton of that had to do with all of the off the field stuff that he was going through. I mean, that that had to be uh, absolutely rattling. Uh, you know, to have the owner's wife turn her back on you, and to have the accusers in the stands, and to have the t-shirts being held up, and to have you know to get booed every time you step on the field. That had to be uh, an, an emotional time for him. So. You know, who knows if he'll he'll be that much better. But you're right. Uh, the ceiling is so much higher. You have to get him ready to play. You have to do this. You, you're, you know, Kevin Stefanski, of course, is saying the absolute right thing. Now, the thing is, what if he is in the middle of the game and it's clear that he doesn't have it and that the game needs to be won? What do you do in that situation? I wouldn't hesitate to put Jacoby in. I wouldn't hesitate. You have to pull out all the stops and win the game. You can go back to Deshaun if you want to. I'm, I've am i always been like this, and not many people really agree with me, but I think that everyone treats the quarterbacks with kid gloves too much. It's okay occasionally to sit a guy down for a little bit, put him back in, take him. I, I think people worry too much about the psyche of the of the quarterback. They need to be mentally, mentally tough. And you should be able to platoon them and do some different things in the event that you need to. Okay, there we go. That turned into a pretty good Deshaun Watson-Jacoby Brissett discussion there. Uh, all right, let's take a break. And then when we come back, uh, there's one other player that I want to talk about. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby, Mary Kate Cabot, Ashley Bastock, uh, catching you up on all the events here, uh, recording this on Wednesday. So, Anthony Schwartz, um, tough news today, Mary Kay. He's going on IR with this concussion. This is the second time that he's going to miss multiple games with the concussion. Um, he missed three games after he suffered one against New England last year. Uh, this will be at least four games. The concussion rule is a little different this year. It's a little tougher to come back, but but putting a guy on IR for concussion is still very significant. What does this mean for Anthony moving forward? Because, you know, he, he did have the fumble on Sunday, but he scored a touchdown against the Bucks. It seemed like there was some positive momentum. He was playing well on special teams as a gunner. 
like he was slowly, slowly like pushing the boulder up the hill, starting to come around. What does this mean for Anthony long term? Do you think? Well, I think Anthony really does need to get himself together. Um, he, you know, he was making some strides and some inroads on special teams, uh, but he's still struggling out there offensively to the point where he is um, quite often still a liability. And you can't be out there like that because you're going to get yourself hurt or you're going to get someone else hurt if you're really not ready to play the game. I mean, it's high intensity, it's physical, it's dangerous, it's all those things. You really do have to be in the right headspace. And as you guys probably read Ashley's great story uh, with Anthony Schwartz, and we have been alluding to this on this podcast for a long time, um, I think you guys could tell that we were you know, going down that road. And, and I had known for a long time that Anthony Schwartz was dealing with some anxiety related to his performance. And, um, and he made that his, my cause, my cleats, um, you know, issue. And Ashley was able to talk to him about that. And he opened up to her and, and gave her a really nice story about that. And, but I think it's time for him to completely shut it down for the rest of this season and then spend as much time as he can in the off season trying to get himself together uh, off the field and on the field, but, you know, really taking that time and making sure that this is the game that he wants to play. I think you have to really want it. You have to want to be able to be a football player. You have to want to be able to take a hit. Uh, You have to be able to take a hit. Um, You've got to be able to hang on sometimes in those situations when someone's trying to separate you from the football. So I think, I think he needs to be done for the season and I think he needs to really work hard on, you know, just trying to get himself together mentally and physically. Yeah, and Ashley, you you did write that story that posted on Saturday um, talking to Anthony. And, you know, again, I I think some of the the venom towards him was a little sort of misplaced. Like, there's one thing to criticize a guy for not producing, which is fair. That's you're an NFL player. But he didn't do anything wrong. It's not like he was showing up late or like, you know, being lazy out there. It just wasn't working out for him. Um, The good thing for him is this team has shown a lot of patience with him. And I would imagine that at this point, that's not going to change. He's still that guy. They spent a top hundred pick on and there's still has to be that belief somewhere in this organization that he can be something close to what they thought they were drafting. Yeah, and I mean, when I talk to him, it's like he said the the coaching staff and his teammates have been super supportive of him, you know, trying to prioritize his his mental health and this anxiety piece of, of you know, he, he basically said that after that second preseason game or the third preseason game against the Bears, you know, at that point he had another two more dropped passes in that game and that he basically was like on the verge of a panic attack. And like, yeah, he knew the stuff that was being said on social media and that was part of it. But I think it's like, I equate it to, it's almost when, like in baseball, when you have a guy coming up to the plate who wants to hit a home run so bad that he ends up striking out because like he's too aggressive and thinking about it too much and swinging at everything. So it's almost like Anthony's going through the equivalent of that, that like, it sounds like he's basically in a a mental state where it's like, don't drop the ball, don't drop the ball, don't drop the ball, that it's, it's becoming that that's like a pattern or he's fumbling the ball or, or things like that. So I'm with Mary Kate, you know, I mean, if you're on IR, like you said, Dan, you have to miss four weeks, like five regular season games left at this point. I do wonder if he would, you know, if he would be activated off of IR for like the final game, like if that would do him more harm than good at this point. 
I do think, you know, it's great for him that, that he started kind of down this road and recognized that he had a problem. And, and, you know, like I wrote in my story, like you, you've kind of did see small incremental improvements from him this past year. Like it didn't mean he was ready to be a number one, number two receiver on this roster or play consistent offensive snaps. But um, I think he, he needs to kind of continue down this road a little bit. And, and like Mary Kay said, make sure that part of, of his game is is right before you know we talk about hey what's his role on the depth chart in the receiver room. Mary Kay, I think the maybe the the really disappointing part of this is we aren't really going to get to see what he looks like now with Deshaun Watson. I think that was the hope with a number of these receivers. Like let's see what having Deshaun Watson here does for them. And obviously, you know, with the way Deshaun looked on Sunday, that was the, you know. If he continues to look like that, that's going to make it difficult. But it's just an opportunity to maybe get to not get a reevaluation of, of Anthony Schwartz. That is also sort of disappointing in all of this. Yeah, especially if they lose this game to the Bengals. Um, you know, you really, I think, are at the point where you can start to look at some younger players, look at some other players and do some evaluating for the 2022-2023 season. And so I do think that this would have been an opportunity if they lose this game um, for those final few games down the stretch for him to see what he can do, to take some chances, for Deshaun to take some shots downfield, to see if he can handle those. Um, And now that, you know, has all gone by the wayside. And that is unfortunate because now it's going to be a matter of, like, coming back for the offseason program and, you know, seeing if you can kind of get it together then. And I'm sure there will be other opportunities. They'll probably do some kind of, you know, team building off-campus type things in the offseason. But, um, but this, you know, this is a missed opportunity. But I actually think it's probably best for him because you just don't want him getting hurt, seriously hurt out there. And I think he was almost in jeopardy of, of something like that happening. So hopefully this concussion isn't too, too bad and he'll be able to come back from it, and he'll be totally fine, Um, and he'll be able to see if he can put the pieces back together of his career and if that's what he really wants. Okay, one other guy I want to touch on real quick, David Njoku. Um, Mary Kay, I feel like maybe you wrote this answer for him, like you were David's speechwriter. He was asked about red zone targets, and he said, quote, I'm always hopeful for red zone targets, dog. No matter what, no matter where, who, any scenario, I need red zone targets. Mary Kay, if you want to admit that you are David Njoku's press conference ghostwriter, now's the time. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, it's very well documented that I have been saying this for years and years and years. You have got to take a guy like that that's that big, that physical, that strong, and that now has the hands and sometimes even just the hand uh, to make those catches uh, you have to take advantage of that. You have to take advantage of that. And and I, I agree 100% that uh, that he needs to be used more in the red zone. He must read my stuff. Uh, <laughs> and um, and I'm sure that, that Deshaun Watson is going to find him in the red zone and in the end zone. He is a weapon. He is a weapon. And if you can put it up there where only he can go up and get it, and he's got a great leap, right? I and mean, he's got great vertical leap. So if you can put it up there where only he can get it, uh, you're going to come down with the ball more often than not. And I think he's improved on those, you know, on those tougher catches, as you saw against the Bucks. 
you know, I, I think he's gotten good at those. Sometimes he'll dro- still drop the simple one uh, because he doesn't concentrate. But uh, but he really, really has locked in on the tougher catch and he can make those. And so, you know, I think he's you know going to be well on his way to those eight TDs a year that I have been saying for two years that, that he's going to get. Ashley, I missed an opportunity because when I wrote about David Njoku today, I did not make my headline. I need red zone targets, dog. Now I have regrets. <laughs> you should have regrets. I mean, yeah, that's not, it's not surprising. I mean, I think we all think David, well, at least Mary Kay and I think that David to be very effective, a very effective weapon in the red zone with, you know, having a quarterback of Deshaun Watson's caliber throwing to him. But yeah, David said dog a lot today, which that, that deserves its own podcast, Dan. I, I'll say I, I too believe David Njoku could be a, a big red <laughs> I zone. I didn't want to speak for you. No, and, and that's just you. part of that's part of kind of the the points I've been making kind of all along. It's like I've always felt like there should be more there, um, mm-hmm. and it's just slowly come along. And now this year, I think we've seen. I mean, we're seeing big leaps in his game this year, which is very very encouraging. Go ahead, Mary Kay. Yeah, I mean, I I've been writing this, uh, and I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but I've been saying that he's playing at a Pro Bowl caliber caliber level. He's playing at a Pro Bowl level right now. I mean, if you look on Pro Football Focus, too, it's it's reflected right there. He is the number two tight end uh, behind tra- Travis Kelsey on PFF in terms of tight end grade this season. Now, I do find that a little bit hard to believe, uh, considering that Travis Kelsey has 12 touchdown catches and David only has two. But I think that's probably for the lack of opportunities. If he had had, you know, 10 more opportunities – he could too could have 12 red zone touchdowns right now. So, um, so I do think that he's playing, that's the level that he's playing at this season. And, you know, there's still time. I think there's still time for him to make the pro bowl. And I I think there's a chance that he'll do it. And people kind of laughed when, when he got the big new contract worth almost $14 million a year, but he's, he's living up to it. And I think he's only just begun. Yeah, and, that, and that's what the Browns did. They uh, they gambled on future performance instead of, um, you know, they, they always say you want to pay for future performance, not for, for past performance. And that's what they did when mm-hmm. they gave uh, David that contract. So uh, hopefully we'll get to see him and Deshaun Watson, uh, kind of what that looks like here over the next few week as, weeks, beginning this week as the Browns take on the Bengals. We'll have our big... Browns Bengals preview pod coming your way on Friday morning. So just get subscribed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify uh, so that can hit your feed as soon as it goes up. And also become a Football Insider subscriber at cleveland.com slash Browns the Blue Banner at the top of the page. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.